Hey guys, welcome to the Catch Up Time podcast. I'm your host, Alyssa McDonald, and thank you so much for listening in on today's episode. The world is a different place than it was just a few short months ago, and what people need now is some hope, some uplifting stories, and knowing that we're not alone in this. On my podcast, I'll be shining the spotlight on real people who have been personally affected by the pandemic in order to gain a new perspective and to understand how they've adapted to meet the new world. We'll focus on a bright future, highlighting personal experiences before, during, and after COVID changed everything. We're all learning to live with our new normal, and it's easy to focus on the negativity going on in the world right now. Make sure to listen in and hit subscribe to the Catch Up Time podcast, where each week I hope to bring you some brightness and positivity to light up these uncertain times that we're all living in. All right, let's get started. On today's show, we're having a drink with Chef Sammy Odetala, who is one of the most talented chefs I know. Sammy went to culinary school in Charlotte, North Carolina at Johnson & Wales University, where he got his associate's degree in food science and a bachelor's in hospitality management. Right out of school, he landed a job at the world's largest Marriott in Orlando, Florida, which is where him and I met back in 2015. We worked together at a restaurant called Zero Urban Italian Kitchen for a few years before Sammy moved out to Boston to work at the W Hotel. He eventually made it back to Florida, and a lot has happened in the time since we last spoke. But let me tell you, it is as if no time has passed at all. We literally just picked up right where we left off. (laughs) In this episode, we'll hear what led Sammy to leave his job as a corporate chef with one of the top companies in the hospitality and tourism industry in order to start his own business called Smo Table in 2019. These days, you can find Sammy whipping up an impressive spread for all of his private parties and continuing to learn and grow as he builds his brand and company from the ground up. You can connect on social media with Chef Sammy on either Instagram or Facebook at Table, which is S-M-O table, all one word, or on his website, smotable.com. Now, please enjoy this enlightening conversation with the ambitious and delightful Chef Sammy Odetala. Well, welcome to the Catch Up Time podcast, Chef Sammy. Catch Up Time. Very, very nice. Catch Up Time. Cheers. Cheers, man. It's so good to see you. It's good to see you too, Alyssa. What's your so, adult beverage? Oh, my adult beverage. I have a beer. Um, nice. I'm going to drink some Japanese whiskey. Oh, you bad. You bad. Well, welcome, <laughs> welcome. So we have so much to catch up about. I have so many questions and I feel like it's been a while since I've seen you and you've done a lot of things in the time that it's been. Um, So have you. I know, well, I haven't done that much, but you've had a lot going on, so. Um, Come on. (laughs) Having a kid's no big deal. Uh, you know, yeah, I guess that's a big deal. <laughs> but you got married. <laughs> I mean, seriously. I did, like, yes. Hot damn. Congratulations. Your wife is. Last you. Yeah, she's actually in a meeting right now, too. Is that right? In a Zoom meeting uh, with. She does Mary Kay, so she sells uh, skincare products. Oh, true, um, true. Alongside with her. Um, she's a makeup artist. So mm-hmm. it works well because she'll do makeup for people and then. They're all interested in how she gets her skin to look so nice, so that she sells them skincare products. 
beautiful. It makes sense. It's like mm -hmm. a perfect match. And you've been doing like this modeling thing, so she could probably put a little, I mean, not that you need anything, but maybe like, does she put a little like, you know, I'm all natural. All natural. <laughs> <laughs> so tell me, you left, we used to work together at the World Center. When did you leave? Cause it's been a minute. Let's see, I started uh, Marriott in 2015. 15. I left um, at the end of 2017, like in November. Okay. And that's when I started in um, Boston. I went to Boston and worked at the W Hotel. That's right. How long were you out I there left. for? I lasted a little over a year and I had to come back. I imagine After you experience Florida and you're like, ooh, this is what you get with the weather and how much you pay for rent and all those other things. <clears throat> and you go up to uh, an expensive city like Boston, you just don't see the value in it anymore. I mean, I'm glad, I'm very glad I got the experience, especially the W brand, it was fab fabulous. But um, just the value of, you know, what I got for space in her apartment and then eventually having to get roommates because it was so expensive um and then the weather you know i got back to the winter even though i grew up in cleveland ohio i just i didn't miss that i did not miss that weather yeah <laughs> so I, I and then i um that's when i started talking to my wife so that was a big catch you know i, I was talking to her and we started getting a little more serious long distance ish and not she really was in florida or she was yeah mm -hmm. i met her at the world center actually where you and i were working is that right where'd you guys meet yeah she was in the pastry department. No kidding. Um, so did she work yeah. with Chef Ramon? Or she did. She worked with Chef Ramon. Wow. Um, but we didn't speak at all when, when we worked together. Mm -hmm. Her English was not very good. Uh, my Spanish at the time was not very good. Uh -huh. um, but eventually, uh, she went back to Venezuela because that's where she originally is from. Mm -hmm. um, she searched and found me on Instagram and wrote me a message. And we just started going little by little messages translating um just innocent stuff and when i was out in boston about six months into being in boston her and i were talking a little more serious um and eventually she was like okay well i'm in florida now but now you're not in florida and i was like yeah but i don't really like boston i'm trying to get out of here anyway <laughs> <laughs> was, it's too cold and um i came to visit her a couple times and then eventually i got a job at the gaylord and um I made a decision when I would go back that I would be with her. That's amazing. And ever since then? Yeah, we lived together for um, about a, a year. And then I got engaged with her and then we got married. Oh, okay. Let's talk about this engagement because I did a little digging before we hopped on this call. And just to refresh my memory, I remember when it happened, but to rewatch it was something else. I got like chills and I literally started like tearing up. So, <laughs> I was a blabbering You did pretty good. You did good. <laughs> I did pretty good. Was that her whole family that you flew in? Like, describe the situation, because it was phenomenal. No, uh, she's very fortunate um, being here, moving here from Venezuela. She was able, within a couple of years, to get her whole family basically here. Well, I mean, her immediate family, her mom, her dad, her parents, you know, um, her brothers and sisters, they're all here. That's amazing. So, yeah, it's awesome. She's very, she's more... She's more convenient with her family and they're from another country than I am with my family because they're all up in Ohio. Cleveland. Is all your family still it's up kind of, Yeah, I'm trying to get my mom and at least my sisters to come down here. Yeah. Little by little, we'll get them down here. 
That's so funny. Um, yeah, I don't know. Um, so yeah, I was uh, I, I I was planning on asking her to marry me, and it was around Christmas time. It was like the, I, I did it on Christmas on Christmas Day actually. Was it? So yeah, we did. I did it on Christmas Day, and uh, the plan was we were going to go to a park and take family photos. So uh, it was the morning of. You know, I was ready. I put on a suit. I had a sports coat on and everything. And uh, she was in one of those moods where she just didn't know what to put on, and she was frustrated. And she had no idea I was proposing to her that day, obviously. But mm-hmm. it's just one of those days. It was a difficult morning for her, and she's like, "You know what? I'm, I can't." I can't find what I want to wear. I'm just going to put on jeans and whatever. It's, it, it is what it is. I'll just take photos with jeans and a, whatever. I'll be casual. I'm like, oh, no, no, no. You can't be casual. But I knew it couldn't come out of my mouth because right. she wasn't going to listen to me. So I was like, I called her sister. I was like, you got to help me. Call your sister. Try to get her to wear something nice. Like, whatever you got to do. So her sister called her. And he was like, yeah, lose more. Just please, you know. I got something nice on. Everybody got something nice on. Just put something on. And finally, she figured it out and was able to 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 put something nice on so we can go to the park. Did she have and any then, idea, um, like that they were going to be there? Yeah, yeah. So the, the idea was we were all going to go to the park and take family photos. Oh, got it, got it, got it. So hence why we had the camera and her brother is a photographer. So we got lucky on that part because he could take professional photographer uh, photos with his camera and all that. Yeah. Um, and then the letters that came in, because I had those blow up balloon letters that said, um, uh, marry me, baby, yeah. with a question mark. I was able to pull that off because I bought them a couple days prior and gave them to her family. And I said, bring them. And then when we get there, we'll explain that we're going to play a game where you have to spell something. And the person that is that's guessing has to wear a blindfold spin around three times and then try to guess what the word is oh. so we did one example with the letters and it was unfortunately it worked out where you can get it to say like merry christmas with xmas like merry xmas whatever i just bought a couple extra letters <laughs> so we did the one first example so she got it and then I'm like, all right you're up next so we did it to her we put the blindfold on I had her family uh, arrange the letters, so it said Mary, Mary, baby, question mark. And the funny thing is, they're not very good at speaking English, so they didn't know how to spell the word. <laughs> so I had to go, no, 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 you're here, you're here, you're here, you're here, you're here. Oh my God. And they're like, okay, okay, no, this is, we trust you, this is what it says. And, um, <laughs> if you, they yeah, but I couldn't it. say it because she didn't have like, I didn't, her ears were still open, so right. I had to just like sign language them. Like, no, no, here, here. Spin around. <laughs> Freaking out, like, while I'm trying to find, like, the ring in my back pocket. And I'm like, oh, God, here we go. Yeah, as if you didn't have, like, enough on your mind. <laughs> yeah, and I had, like, uh, luckily her, her um, nephews, they're twins. They were young, like, seven or eight at the time. They speak pretty good English. They picked it up fast, being in school and all that. Okay. So I had one of them in charge of the, the speaker to play our song. The, the Ed Sheeran song. Yep. So I had them play that, and that's at the same time she's taking the blindfold off, and I was standing like you know, a couple yards away from her, and then when she saw it, you know, immediately she was like, like this. Yeah. And then when she did that, that's when I got on a knee and I proposed to her. Amazing, amazing. Well, and the fact that you have that on camera to watch over and over through the years will be like 
it's already special, but it will just continue to be more and more special, uh, you know, as the years go on, getting to revisit that moment. Yeah, that, that was a good footage. It was a GoPro that the other twin uh, nephew was able to record. So one was putting the speaker on, the other one was had the GoPro. You put those kids to work. <laughs> I did. And then I had one of um, one of the other family members uh, FaceTiming my mother at the time so she could see it all. It's because she was up north. Yeah, yeah, I could. I, we weren't able to get her down here. Oh, but how special to have her whole family there. That's awesome. What a story. Like, what a special moment for you guys. <clears throat> so you met, so you came back down here and um, started working at the Gaylord. And you were only out in Boston for a little while then. Yeah, I spent a little over a year in Boston, came back down, worked at the Gaylord Palms. Um, started off as a sous chef over there for banquets. Did that for a couple years. Um, they promoted me to senior sous chef and I was in charge of two restaurants. One of them was a seafood restaurant, more. Mm -hmm. uh, had a nice boat as part of the dining area with um, water, live fish. And the other one was a smaller restaurant. Uh, it was like a Spanish tapas lobby bar restaurant with like specialty cocktails. Okay. So we just did nice little plates of food. Oh, you know, I've been to... And, I've been to more before, but not the um, not the lobby bar restaurant. But that's yeah. So more that was a crazy story. Well, I should probably go back to W Boston because you saw all the changes that we did at Zero when when I started there with Kyle. Kyle's uh, one of my greatest mentors, and still is a good friend of mine. Um, but when I went to W Boston, I one of the other reasons I did not like my experience there was my chef um he just wasn't quite as motivated as i was he kind of was more settled in his position and wasn't trying to go too crazy outside the box um, some of our ideas really clashed with each other uh he was originally from texas and he had all these like texas and mexican influence ideas and I was like trying to get this like classical French and Italian influence and then my Middle Eastern heritage, like nothing of, nothing of, uh, of our ideas ever met really. Yeah. So it was just like, mm -hmm. and, and I was always like trying to do crazy fresh pasta and stuff like that. And it's a lot of work. It's labor intensive. He wasn't on for that. He was, he was going more convenient route. I'll buy frozen fresh pasta. You don't have to make it. I was like, no, I'd rather make it. Why not? But I, I, I turned a lot of things there. I mean, I, I kind of went against the grain a lot, but I did what I wanted to do there as much as I could because I had support from everybody else, minus my chef. Um, so I turned uh, this back prep area that the front of the house was just using to store cocktail tables and chairs when they had a storage area um, below us. They were just too lazy to take it down there. Mm -hmm. So they just stuck it in the back. I got them to clear all that out turned that into a prep area. Um, I got a pasta machine working back there, started making fresh pasta, moving Papadell on the menu, making raviolis for special dinners and stuff like that. Um, he let me do some things on the menu, um, but he'd always have to add like some kind of chili to it or something like that, which was fine. It was, it was, it was what it was. Um, but um, the city itself was great. I met a lot of great people. Um, scenery is wonderful. Those colleges, those universities, all that was awesome. The history behind the city 
it was a lot of fun. It was a lot of fun exploring. Um, since I've been driving, that was the first time in my life that I went like a whole year without a vehicle. Yeah. Because I mean, in Boston, like parking is yeah, ridiculous. Yeah, it's all public and, transportation, right? Yeah, so I did all public transportation. I was taking the train, which, you know, you, you, it's 40 minutes in there, 40 minutes out to where, where I was living right outside of Boston. It was called uh, Alston. Alston. Okay. And I would just read books because that's what would kill time. So I was just I was reading books a lot more, but just stuff like that. It was it was fun. It was I, I feel like I I felt like I took a lot away from I, I taught myself a lot. Yeah, a lot absolutely. Of just, yeah, a lot of downtime, alone time. I didn't really have friends or anything like that. I made, I made a couple friends, but nothing yeah. crazy. Well, I think though you need those sorts of experiences to like grow as a person and into the chef you are, you know, that you were, that you knew you wanted to be, that you were kind of stifled in that creativity, you know, that they weren't letting you be as creative and um, as you wanted to be, I guess. So, it, you know. Yeah. It was kind of like I got that that big city experience, you know, like that, yep. you know, like you would think of if you were living in New York City and taking the sub everywhere. Totally. Yeah. We, like lived, that. we lived in Denver before we lived in like we, we li were, were originally from Florida, my husband and I, but we lived in Denver, like downtown for about three and a half, four years. And I feel the same way. Like I'm, I wouldn't do it again because I don't think I could live in a small apartment like that, like where you're all crammed on top of each other and in the cold weather. I, I mean, you know, you I was in the mountains, you were in yeah. Boston, like it's cold, you know, a Florida girl. and. You know, I can consider you a Florida guy. Like, you know, it's for you know, sure. It's I'm not Florida the same. Kids. My blood's not the same. <laughs> right. Like, two Florida kids had no business being in the cold weather in the winter. So, uh, yeah, no, but I feel you. Like, it's true. Like, living there for even a short amount of time did teach us so much about, well, one, how much we appreciate living here in Florida, like the weather we have here. Although, I must say, it's been a very hot summer and I'm ready for it to get a little bit colder, just like ever so slightly. Honestly, that's my favorite time in Florida, you know? Um, the summer? When, uh, no, 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 no. What you're mentioning, uh, going into right now, no, oh, November, oh, oh. December. Yes. January, like those three months in Florida are awesome. Yes. Well, and that's just it. That's why we live here. Like, you know, but it takes going through this grueling summer to get to this point. But that's you do the, appreciate I mean, that's what it. I tell my mom. Yeah. Because my mom's like, oh, it's too hot. I can't do it. I'm like, well, mom, the difference is you either going through like a crazy hot summer or a freezing cold winter right. either going to be living in air conditioning for the summer or you're going to be living in the heat for the winter like what do you prefer yeah yeah i'd much rather do air conditioning in hot summer yeah you can always like you know come back inside if you're warm or like you know sit under a shaded you know shade or a fan or whatever but i don't know it, it's it's a different you know it also does something i think mentally like being in the cold and in the snow and i'm sure like you know i've i've been to boston you know only once before and it's very dreary there. And I feel like that would start to affect my mood in some regard. Like it's oh, very, it's, yeah. you know, like we have so much sunshine here and like, it's it's a different vibe. I do feel like that. So, well, it's good to have you back in Florida. And uh, are you still at the Gaylord <laughs> or are you, are you not there anymore? No. You aren't. Um, so the furlough happened to everybody, the devastating glow that everybody took. Yeah. Um, so, they put us on furlough back in March, I believe. Um, and then at the end of June, they were ready to bring me back. But at that point, I made the decision not to go back. 
I told them I was going to resign and I started, um, I just stuck with my company since. So tell us about that. So, I definitely want to hear about, is it Smotable or Smotable? I don't know. Is it one Smotable. word? Smotable. Smotable. Yeah, I had to change the logo a little bit because uh, when I just had the SMO table together, everybody said Smotable. I thought it, I read and, it as Smotable, so I wasn't sure. And that's a word too, so it's easy to confuse because you look up Smotable, it's, it means like... What does uh, it mean? It's it, a word though. It's like, to, yeah, it's, it's almost like to like embarrass somebody, I believe. Oh, no kidding. But smo yeah, like okay, you're, but you're trying to shame to some like I'm you're you're I don't know. Let me just look it up real quick. Because because I did look it up. S M O are your initials. Yeah, that's that was the point, and I didn't really, you know, I didn't really like think about doing that in the beginning, but it was just something that was brought across my attention and how those initials together with the idea of like you know chefs tables and and that's kind of where I spark that right that's that idea yeah so somebody bought smote smote is the word not smotable but i think it could be used in the word of smotable but like the maybe original like word smote. okay i see it's past tense verb to smite most frequently used to strike sharply or heavily especially when the hand or with something held in the hand well i guess it's strike somebody <laughs> well it, either way it's kind of a negative connotation when you put it that way but yeah it's, it's smite nonetheless when you when you redid the logo it, now it's more clear that it's smo smo table yeah because i have the the three first the first three letters uppercased and then a slash that's should go straight up and down vertical and then table in lowercase so hopefully people kind of get the visual and totally pronounce it more so okay more well now table Smo table. So when did you and start the idea business? is Oh go ahead. Um, I, no 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 the, the idea is just like it's my table. Instead of a chef's table, it's my initials, my name, table, my experience. Um, and that doesn't necessarily mean my menus and specifically it's gonna be my ideas, but everything's like a collaboration with the client. So we do everything customizable. Um, and then I just try to read you as a person. And when I have conversations with you over the phone and I'm booking you, um, I just kind of pick your brain apart and just see what's going to work best with you. I know that everybody, throughout my experience, everybody's different, you know, not everybody wants a mid-rare steak. That's okay. That's your decision. I'm, at the end of the day, you're the paying customer. So I, I want to make sure that I'm going to, you know, maybe we're not going to go with steak if you're going to want well-done steak. I can have better options for you. Mm -hmm. And then, you know, I just give them my two cents. And then if they agree with it, uh, you deal with different personalities. Some people are super flexible and they want to try you and they want to, you know, give it a shot. And some people are like, no, I know exactly what I want. I want this, this, and that. I'm like, okay, cool. And I just do that. And then I just, you know, do my little twist or flavor or, you know, how I execute it. It really comes down to the execution. The two, the two biggest things that um, I would say defines me and my business and why so far it's been successful and all my customers have been super happy is because I focus on one, resourcing the best ingredients I possibly can. I try to work with the best purveyors. I get the best quality meat I can, the best, fresh, the freshest fish and seafood, you know, the seasonal products, all the basic stuff that a chef should be doing. So that's number one. You know, I, I, I don't, as a personal chef, I don't go to Walmart. I use Restaurant Depot and I use um, Whole Foods or, you know, even Costco has 
USDA prime beef. So that's that's a big plus versus getting choice beef from anywhere else. And it's affordable too. It's, it's a better pricing. You can get things in bulk, uh, which is good. Um, and then number two is uh, execution. So just doing all the little things right, you know, seasoning properly, searing properly, cooking the pasta properly, all those little things, you know, no shortcuts. Um, just doing things the right way when I execute it. Being there on time, getting your dinner on time, clearing your courses on time, that kind of thing. Those little things that all go together is your execution. Make sure you're just on top of your execution. You do yeah. what you said you're going to do. Well, we have Marriott, I think, to thank for that, like, little uh, trait that we all have. You know, it's inside me as well, like, you know, to be detail-oriented and to, you know, quality over anything else. I mean, it's your name on it, so I think that's totally the right way to, like, handle it. And it's your business that you're, you know, you're in charge of it. And, you know, it's your name on the for sure. So that's You know, awesome. that's the biggest empowerment is that, you, you know, when you're an entrepreneur, you're in it for the long haul. You're not thinking about, well, I just got to get through this week, you know. I know it's a lot on my plate, but I'm just going to get through this week and, and I get my next paycheck. When you're an entrepreneur, you don't think like that. You're, you're thinking, okay, I need to do the best I can now in the moment because it's going to reflect me in the future. Every decision I make, I need to do it the best I can. And, and failure is always good. You're going to learn from that. It's what you do after failure that makes the biggest difference. So when you're thinking like that as an entrepreneur, you're very much more empowered to doing the right things as much as you possibly can. You're never thinking on a short-term basis. The way I look at this is I'm going to hopefully grow this business to employ my friends, my, my previous coworkers, maybe family members, and going to support my future family. So that's the way I got to look at it. And that's what's going to keep me doing this. And, and, and then it makes it that much easier that I'm passionate about what I'm doing. A thousand percent. I mean, you, you love what you do. You don't work a day in your life, but you have to do it to like the highest that you can. And uh, it translates, I'm sure, to your to your plates that you put out in front of people. Like they can feel the love and the passion. They can feel the dedication and the high quality, you know, ingredients that you use only make that experience even more important and special to the to the clients so i think that's you 100%. know super important it really is who are you i mean like how did you even get started with this how did you think about getting started with a personal chef business oh well it's a lot of things i mean i could kind of tell you the moment but uh, there's a lot of things that kind of led up to that mm -hmm. um i you know my the experience i had all really contributed to how I execute what I do. Like you said, Marriott, they really taught you how to be professional, political, organized, you know, just trying to do the right thing. You know, Marriott really did help you out with that. You know, they, they, they taught you the, the ways, you know. Um, but I mean, before that, I, <clears throat> I remember when I did the Augusta National Masters Tournament back in 2000, I did it in 14, but I was inside the clubhouse. So I, I was I was a cook, you know, I, I was working crazy amount of hours inside one of the, the founder's kitchen. Um, and that was a great experience. But when I went back in 2015, 
I got in contact with a third party vendor, caterer, and they were doing um, this thing like personal chefs, but they were catering to the people that were attending the tournament that were going to go see it, that had tickets. So they would rent out these beautiful homes in Augusta, Georgia, and they would have um, us come there that we were, we were all organized and supported by a catering company that was being ran out of a commissary kitchen inside of a church. Um, so the deal was that they, they would pay for our stay. They would get this house with multiple bedrooms and we would be sleeping in blow up mattresses, like 13, 14 chefs in the house. It was like a, like the real world episode, but chefs, it was crazy. And we would all get in our cars, drive to the church. Some of us would be at the church early prepping. Some of us would be just going to the church, picking up a cooler and some stuff that had all the ingredients for the night with the menu. Mm-hmm. And we would go to the house and unload, organize, prep, and cook. We would have a server, we would have an assistant if necessary, and based on your experience, you were either like running the show or you were assisting. And fortunately enough, they had me running the show um, because it was one of my roommates that was uh, really recruiting everybody. So he just recruited a bunch of people he knew from college. And this was back in when I was in Johnson & Wales University in Charlotte, North Carolina. So that's kind of like where I started. And then I went back and did it in 2019, and it was the same concept, but a different catering company. But I liked the way they did it more. They were more organized. They had better menus. They they were just doing things better. They had better clients. It was, it was great. I was just like, wow, this is great business. But they only did it during the, the this tournament. Like, what well, you could apply this concept all year round. Like, why wouldn't people want to use this? You know, you look into it a little bit by little bit, but I didn't I didn't draw that much curiosity to it because I was so comfortable with this corporate job I had and getting salary. So you look into it and you're like, oh, people are paying 15 bucks an hour for personal chefs or, you know, people are making, you know, a couple, a couple hundred dollars a night just doing personal chef, but it's not consistent. It's not enough to have a real job or, that's the way I was thinking. I was thinking like an employee. That was my problem. You know, everything I did prior to a wake up call that I kind of made myself do back in 2018, I would say. Yeah, at the end of 2018, I really had a wake up call. I, I did a lot of research following influencers. Um, and, 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 and you just get like onto this like rabbit hole where you go, all of these entrepreneurs and, and, and these people motivating you and talking about, you know, don't just be an employee or don't just, you know, work a, a job or climb a corporate ladder. There's no excitement in that. Like what's so exciting that next year you're going to get a 4% raise or you might get a change in your title. Like all that stuff is, it's what is that at the end? Of, yeah, it's, it's very comfortable. comfortable. Yeah. And that's what I, found myself doing. I was just falling into this trap of being comfortable. And I was getting further and further away from my passion because the higher you go up in this ladder as a chef, personally, you get further away from cooking. They want you to do more office um, responsibilities and you're doing less of the floor work. So corporate's always throwing you some kind of, I call it busy work, you know, whatever it is, you got to fill out this goal and tell me, you know, how you reflected on it and oh, what yeah. are your results, you know, and oh, it's yeah. just like respond to this email and this pretty email and that email. I need to have 
you know, uh, your used records for this, just in case somebody gets a complaint on food allergies or whatever it is. It's just a lot, a lot of busy work. And it's like, you know, what percentage of my time am I spending at work actually on making food better? Not a lot, really not a lot. The further I got up in promotions or increasing in salary. And I didn't like that. I didn't like the direction and I wasn't really able to control that. Like you could fight it, you, you really can, but it's not going to serve you well. Like people are going to give you a difficult time. For well, especially as a corporate chef, I think that's totally the case. Like I, I saw it firsthand. I was in the chef's office for years and like the higher up you went, the less cooking you actually did. You're totally right. It is a lot of that HR stuff. Well, I'm glad you mentioned that. The chef's office, that whole concept, the chef's table, those ta those site visits, mm -hmm. that was another thing that inspired me to do what I yep. do now. Yep. Because um, I did the master's tournament, so I kind of had that in my head, you know, pop up from time to time, or like that concept of business. And then there was these chef's sites that we were doing, and I noticed that I had like a particular talent with those. I was doing really well. I, I I started off at the World Center. Those are the first times I ever did them as a, as the, you know, the front chef at the, at the front line, you know, like making the menu and talking about the food. I've done them before, but I was just like helping out. Um, so that was really cool. And then when I went to the Gaylord and we were in the banquet kitchen, we started that program new. It wasn't it wasn't wow. something they did before. Interesting. So it was a new concept and they grew year after year and they like would triple the amount we did because they were just converting sales and, and getting these groups to book business. It's incredible. Yeah. Like wine oh. and dine is a concept. People love that. People ate it up. They loved it. They yeah. felt special. They felt like a real connection then to like the sales team. They felt that the chef really, for me, I always felt like the chef was able to, you know, really flourish. Like, you know, I saw such creativity come out of that kitchen. You guys were finally able to do because you you know you had a little bit of like leeway with like d dinner specials and stuff like at zero you guys would always have like a dinner special or a pizza special but it wasn't like a whole meal that you were creating for yourself and sometimes right. we had like allergies we had to work with with the chef's office but like for the most part i feel like you guys had a real opportunity to do whatever you wanted and that was your chance to like really shine and i can understand that was totally. really cool yeah yeah it was really cool and you know, the, going back to doing specials in restaurants, you, you really left yourself open, like vulnerably, because you were always going to have those people that were going to take advantage of complaining about the food or um, just expecting maybe some kind of more mainstream type of food like Olive Garden. Oh, I didn't get, you don't have chicken Alfredo on the menu. What are you talking about? How many times do we get complaints about that or that we didn't have like chicken yeah. Parmesan? Yeah. So to step away from that that nonsense, and being able to just really put the sh the light on the sh uh, on the on the chef and say, hey, this is me, like pouring my my emotions on this plate for you. I hope you appreciate it. And then you just get amazing reactions because it's like, wow, you just if you just opened it up and let the chef do what he wanted to do, hoping that the chef knew what he was doing. Oh. It's it's crazy what you would what you the experience you would get from that. And um, it, it, not too many chefs are able to do that, you know, or or be successful doing that, you know. Yeah. Uh, just like in any profession, you're, you're going to have a lot of people that are that are uh, not really doing it 
because they're passionate. You're doing it because they are just trying to get a check or feed their family. And that's fine, you know, that's that's the way it is no matter where you are. But when you get those people that are passionate about doing what they do and you allow them to be creative, you really get impressive results, like the things that come out of that. So Absolutely. taking the chef's site visits away and, and, and knowing that I, I had a like a set of skills doing that, especially at the keyboard, I was really successful with that. It was me and, and, and my boss at the time. Him and I were like the only ones that would get requests from the sales team because everybody else, they didn't they didn't get the same like experience. You know, one would be too timid and wouldn't talk too much. The other one would be um, not really cooking the way that they wanted them to cook. You know, they would just do just things that weren't very impressive. Yeah. And, no, there's definitely a, a talent, you know, that comes out of that kitchen. I mean, you, it's hard. It's a hard situation to manage um, and not everyone flourishes in that. So the fact that you did and that you were really good at it, obviously, you know, you take that a step further to make your own business, like to put those two together makes sense. It really does. Well, I, I mean, I'm sure you're, you're going to have uh, people listening to this and for the ones that don't know what we're talking about. Basically, it's a situation where the sales team has um, a group of people that want to book business with the hotel, whether that's rooms and a food and beverage program. So what they do as part of their walkthrough of the hotel, they schedule a lunch or a dinner or lunch and dinner or breakfast, whatever they want. And they'll have responsible professional chefs, part of the, the hotel's team come in and do some kind of crazy menu that's going to put them on their, you know, at the end of their cheat, their chairs, you know, just make them think about, wow, I'm going to book a business at this hotel. This is what the food and beverage program is going to be like. They have super talented chefs and passionate. And they, it really reflects to that person booking business, how well and secure it's going to be to be able to have their people, whatever it's hundreds or thousands, mm-hmm. in some cases in millions of dollars business it really helps the sales team close on that deal like it just makes it that much easier um i will never forget like the senior sales um at the gaylord once told me he said you are one of our best salespersons in this hotel i never considered myself ever a salesperson but he said that's the results he would get out of those site visits he was able to close those deals that much easier because you would be able to as chefs come there talk to them make them feel comfortable draw that connection and get them to laugh or remember something from their past with whether it was food that we did or whatever the case may be and and but here's the dark part chefs are not compensated for that you know we have a great time doing that right but the reality is those salespeople get a commission, whatever it is, bonus checks. And, and chefs, we we really put ourselves out there and stress a lot more when we have side visits because we are still operating the day-to-day functions. Oh, yeah. So we have to go an extra mile. And more so in that moment, because we know how important it is. And, and and it's kind of our time to shine, but still we're not compensated you know we don't get a percentage of that sale or or you know, a bonus check for however site many site visits. i know i worked a lot more and harder than other chefs and they were getting paid the same or more than me from experience 
I do appreciate like, I mean, very much like I appreciate you explaining that whole thing because I think it's something that like, obviously like we're very familiar with, but maybe not everyone is. So thank you for clarifying what we were talking about. Yeah, it's really important, but you know, it's something hard to address because it's got to come from a corporate level and who's going to be the person to tell corporate, hey, you need to put this uh, extra expense or income for chef, you know, and then they're just going to be like, for what? They never, I wonder, never was though, an issue before. There wasn't ever an issue before, but how much business wouldn't book if they, you know, didn't come to the chef's office and have that, you know, had that great experience with you guys. It's just an interesting thing to like, you know, to think about. I never really, you're right, like that is the dark side of it. Like I never really thought of it that way, but it's, it's interesting that you should illuminate it. So when you were, you know, putting together the concept for your own business, is that something you're trying to address? And I mean, it's growing like slowly, I imagine, and over time it'll get bigger, but like, is it something that you can see a future, you know, with happening? I would hope for those chefs that are doing this for hotels, they would get that opportunity to make more money. I think they deserve it. Mm -hmm. I think in general, a lot of chefs are not compensated properly. Um, <clears throat> but I mean, with with my business, it I cut out all the middle people. It's, it's literally the clients and it's me, the chef or whatever chef it is dealing with that. I compensate all chefs or people involved in, in all of my personal chef gigs very well. They make a lot more money per day than they would at their any other job. Mm -hmm. But the problem I'm having now is I don't have enough business to support full-time employees. I have enough to support myself and give people gigs, you know, part-time, whatnot. But eventually, I will not cut back on my cost or how much I pay people per gig and the tips they get and all that stuff. People are super generous, especially when they're, you know, in smaller groups. And I focus really on people that are at a much higher price point per person. I'm, I'm going to be the most expensive chef, personal chef you're going to have in Central Florida. I know that for a fact. I, I have a I talk to the community of personal chefs. I know what they're charging. There's not very many charging what I charge, but I can get away with that because I promise I'm going to deliver what I say I'm going to deliver. You can go to another chef and say, you know, I, I, I really want to get um, some of the best caviar and I want to do a uh, 12 course meal. And can you do some wine recommendations for me? And I need to, I want some prime or Wagyu beef or, you know, a variety of 12 different crazy mushrooms no other chef's gonna be on their feet and be like yeah i got it let's do it i will i can do that but i'm gonna charge you accordingly for it because the cost of food i'm gonna have for you is gonna be up there so i do have an equation i have percentages that i'm going to i'm going to fix into my my profit margin i have goals i am at the end of the day still a businessman and an entrepreneur running a company so I try to keep it within those margins. And the only way to possibly do that is my cost of food is going to go up to here and my labor is going to still probably, I'm probably going to go up a little bit more because I need an extra person because it's 12 courses and I need more help. Mm -hmm. Then the overall cost is going to be way up. So that's fine. And, and you'll be surprised. People do not think money is an issue if they're asking for that, you know? 
they have a certain lifestyle. They're used to going to these super nice restaurants and where they find the value in the most on top of the fact that they're going to get the quality of food they want and get um, great uh, service is the convenience. They don't have to go make a reservation. They don't have to get their family to all get in a car and drive to the place and then get a table together and maybe the people to your right or left are talking too much or whatever the case may be. There's so many factors going into a restaurant that you don't have to worry about. You're in the comfort of your own home yeah. or in many cases, they're coming in on vacation, coming out of town they're, and they're staying in, in, in Orlando's a great vacation destination. So people come here for Disney and uh, great weather. So I have a, um, a lot of my business in the reunion resort, vacation mansions. So these people will rent out these mansions, you know, eight, 13, 16, um, bedroom houses with pools in the backyard and great living room spaces and it's they're beautiful places and the kitchens are awesome too and they come loaded with silverware plates and cups and and majority of my business is there these families will come there because they, they are successful business owners or whatever they they're doing investors um they they they're with their family and they want to be in the comfort of their their family inside the house they like that they really do they want to get the value of staying within the mansion and the community and all the amenities that come with that place and to get that same experience you go to to the best restaurant in, in town and let's face it Orlando's not known for the best restaurant so the I, I don't have a lot to compete with <laughs> you know there's a handful of them and it, and I have experience so I'm able to execute that and much more okay, with the variety and the you know, you customizing what you want to do. Yep. So that's the cool thing. And they love that. They get the value out of that. I'm going to go there. I'm going to bring all the right things and you don't have to move a finger. We're going to set the table up for you. We're going to clean up everything. You know, your spouse is super happy because they don't have to help or clean up after the kids or anything like that. It's great. It's a great package that they can get. It's an event order that I put together. It's going to have all of your information on there um the, the entire menu that you can always reply back to and adjust and customize you know like say there's tomatoes oh i don't do tomatoes okay no problem we'll take the tomatoes off and we can do something else there's just little things you know everybody's an individual everybody's got their own taste their own way that's fine you know you go to a restaurant you have to be that annoying person like oh god i'm going to be this person that's going to make all these edits to the menu and this is the chef's menu i'm gonna you know step on his toes it's not like that at all there's no nothing egotistical about it it's just hey we, this is what we do we, we focus at a high level and great services we're here for your comfort this is what we can do if you want to you know me to offer you some things but you know what is it that you're looking for are you looking for a nice steak dinner are you looking for some fresh pasta you know you're looking for multiple multiple courses you're trying to impress a family member you know is it your wife's birthday you know whatever the case may be oh yeah i bet special occasions are huge totally that's yeah a lot of it is special occasions and, i didn't even think about the like people coming here on vacation too that's like a untapped market maybe i don't i've never thought <clears> about that well it, it yeah the market's very very small it's a niche and it's great because uh I, I'm coming from such a great background of experiences that 
a lot of these people that got into it in the first place is because they got out of the industry early because they were fed up with, you know, maybe getting yelled at from a chef or, you know, having a poor food and beverage team or whatever the case. So they got out of it early, with me, which means they, they just brought a little bit of experience and they kind of grew with it. And then they, whatever they picked up was on their own. <clears throat> Although I kind of got out of it early, I still took a good 14 years of experience working in multiple states and, and multiple hotels and restaurants. So I, I feel like I got a lot more to offer now Currently, as we speak, obviously, I'm going to keep have to keep my talents honed as the years go by, you know. Um, so just keeping up with some of the, the trends in the industry and, and making sure I'm just on top of my game. Or I just I have somebody on my team that's, you know, that much more talented. You know, that's the kind of the goal. Well, um, I think it's admirable um, how you've taken all of your different experiences within the hotels and the restaurants and you know, you said just earlier that, you know, you had to stop thinking like an employee because you're an entrepreneur and a restaurateur and a personal chef is all of those things combined. Like you're your own employee, you're your own boss. Like it's really, it's really fantastic. I think what you're doing. And I mean, I remember you back, you know, a few years ago doing the chef's tables. And at this point I've like, I can only imagine the like quality that you're putting on the plate now and and like you said being able to customize everything with your clients I think is really special too like giving them the opportunity to like play with the menu and you know you have such great ideas I'm sure you're able to picking up on what people like so you can kind of read them but I think that's just it's definitely something that people especially now you know with the restaurant industry as it is um, I imagine it's just going to get bigger the personal chef business Cooking at home is definitely a thing. Staying in is a thing. Even dive or drive-in and you know, delivery services. Like, not many people are going into restaurants, especially these days. Uh, where do you see the restaurant industry going in the future? What do you foresee happening? Uh, that's a really great point, and kind of to tie this all together. <clears throat> when I started this company two years ago. It was just a part-time gig. I took it on seriously because I knew that I was going to make this full-time, but I knew I had to do it gradually. Mm -hmm. So although I was working full-time, I was making sure everything I was doing to start a business was going to be the right way because eventually it was going to be a full-time thing. So I made sure I had a proper logo, uh, a good catchy name or a good concept. Uh, I was going to make my website and make it look good and create content for social media. I was going to do everything the right way as you should when you start a company and you're going to, you know, I had to learn sales and marketing and all these things. And when you're an entrepreneur, you, you're wearing multiple hats. I wasn't just a chef anymore. I wasn't just looking at food costs anymore or dealing with employees anymore. I was everything you can think about and that that's where a lot of this like self-learning came into play with these like youtube videos and just googling things and you know you just really have to be driven i read a lot of entrepreneurial books that would teach you you know about how to market properly everything you can think of so that being said i was putting this all in place while i was still a full-time employee when i got to the point where everybody's getting furloughed <clears throat> I did quarantine. I did uh, whatever it was, six weeks of quarantine with my wife and I. We were just here in the apartment. Um, and then I got uh, an inquiry. There was a, a family coming from New Jersey that was going to stay in one of the vacation homes. They were looking for a personal chef for up to three or four weeks. 
So I was like, oh, great. You know, like um, the hotel hadn't called me back yet. I can get some income for now. This is awesome, you know? Oh, yeah. So I did that. And then that kind of extended out longer. And the hotel was trying to get me back. Like I said, I told them I wasn't coming back because during all that time, I was ramping up. I started pouring a lot of this money I had saved into marketing. I used um, an app called Thumbtack. They're awesome. Mm-hmm. They I've used give them. you great for, great for an leads. electrician. <laughs> I hey, you know they got. If you need to clean your house, if you need the personal driver, you know Thumbtack is the you know they're awesome. Yeah. So you know they're a great lead company. They help a lot of small businesses out. Um, I really appreciate what they were able to do on a large scale for individuals. Mm-hmm. So with the combination of referrals, Instagram, Facebook getting all those leads in there from there and, and organically and thumbtack, I was filling up my my event calendar quick, very quickly. So June was pretty much with this family. Um, very grateful that they were they were um, employing me like as a entrepreneur. And then filling up July and August was a great month. September slowed down a little bit, but still a good month. And now we're here in October and it's October is awesome. That's phenomenal. To kind of go back to what you were, your question was, I feel like because of this whole COVID-19 thing, everybody freaking out, you know, convention hotels are going to be really hard to get back into. Nobody's going to get in those large hundreds and thousands of groups. And we're talking about like concert size convention hotels. That's going to be difficult to sell, really difficult to sell knowing that maybe a virus might outbreak again, who knows? And now it's on people's mind because it's a reality thing. You know, it's, yep. it's, oh, this did happen. Like, am I going to be able to invest my money into this? The, the, the risk uh, versus reward uh, it plays into factor. Before it was never a risk. It was like, okay, yeah, 2022, we'll book you guys for 2000 people. That'd be awesome. I can't wait. Now it's like, oh, I don't know what's going to happen in 2022. Like, did you see what 2020 was like? So that being said, restaurants, I think, are going to be okay. They're going to have to definitely change their ways. And, and, you know, like this whole masks thing is going to be a thing and uh, gloves and and being more sanitary, which, you know, at the end of the day, we probably should have been better about that years ago anyways, you know, especially in the food industry. Probably should have been just wearing gloves all the time or changing gloves all the time or um, who knows, I don't know. It, it, it's, it's, a, it's a touchy subject, it's difficult. But moving forward, I feel like that's just a standard that's not gonna go away, especially from a business standpoint. Not too many people are gonna wanna go to a restaurant and they see everybody not wearing masks, like, oh, they're just coughing on my food. Now that's gonna be like in their head. It's more of a mental thing now. Yeah, so, I think restaurants are going to be okay. I mean, unfortunately, we, we're going to lose a lot, and and you know, restaurants already are not very profitable. So them taking that hit, even though there was the PPP loans going out and helping a lot of them out, and the truth is, some of the owners are just going to take the money, pay off their employees, and then just call it a retirement fund. Um, but that, it's still going to be a thing. But what I think it, what it's really going to fuel, is the concept of, of, of personal chefs or, or yeah, like, you know, pro, private events. Like, think about it. What 
is more secure if you're still trying to look for that food and beverage experience than just bringing the team to your home and getting that same experience. And in my eyes, better experience. You know, you go to a restaurant, I'm telling you from a personal experience as a chef, I've ran multiple restaurants. It's hard as one person to control everything the way you want it to be. You try to, and you can be stern at that expo and you're like, no, put that back, it needs more salt. No, that steak's overdone, cook me another one. No, that pizza needs to be more crispy. You could do that all day, but things are still gonna slide by you. You're putting out hundreds and hundreds of items of food a night. You think a chef's two eyes are gonna catch everything, it's not gonna happen. Nor is it gonna meet the expectation of what you think it should be at, what the customer should think it should be at. So <clears throat> there's so many room for errors. You gotta deal with employees that, you know, maybe they're not passionate about cooking, they're just looking for a paycheck. You gotta deal with uh, servers that are not the best communicators, they're just, you know, college students and still trying to figure out what, you know. There's just so many factors into a restaurant where it could be, there could be errors, where you minimize that when it's just a personal chef. Now, that being said, I think the idea of like this, like, um, like chain restaurants, um, all those things, uh, I don't know. I, I, I think in the personal chef industry, it's gonna be really difficult to get a company going that's gonna be like, you know, nationwide, worldwide. Um, I mean, that's my idea. I would like to like conquer getting a company that's successful number one in Florida and then expand out from there. Um, but the whole idea of personal chefs is like, it's your personal chef, It's that's the chef. So that's where I found some of my struggle. Like a lot of people are like, when I when I double book and I have great business or I have three parties in a day or whatever it may be, I have other chefs that are willing to pick up these gigs, that previous bosses of mine or whatever. And I know they can handle it without me being there. I can just give them the food or the prep and they can go on with the cooler and the items and take care of it while I go to another. Like for example, I would have one chef in Kissimmee, Florida, and I would be all the way out in Brenton Beach doing another party. And uh, he would have his assistant, I'd have my assistant, and then we would be back in Florida, in Orlando at my place. And um, everything went great. I would get great reviews from these chefs. And I'm so grateful these guys were able to just knock it out of the park and deliver the same expectations that I would be able to deliver. But some of them was challenging because prior to me getting them to be okay with this chef coming was, you know, I was really looking forward to you being the chef. I really liked what I saw on your Instagram page and your website. Like, it's still me. It's still my stuff. You still got consultation with uh, menu items and was able to communicate with me and, and, and all that stuff's aligned. I'm prepping most of it anyways. It was a personality piece. They were like, oh, I really liked your personality. The conversation you had on the phone, messages that we exchanged, and, and, and it just took a little convincing, you know, a little, hey, this person, I know them very well. I know they're going to be great. They're going right. to be, you know. You trust them. I just had to build it. I had to build it up to them. Like, I would not give you anybody that, that would tarnish my reputation. Like, trust me, they, these people are And then it, it always worked out. But it was a little challenging because when it comes to that title of a personal chef and hiring a personal chef, people are really looking at They're assuming person. it's you. Yeah. Yeah, that person. They don't look at a personal chef as a company. You know, Heck, like, yeah. hey, we have personal chefs. There is people that do that, but really what that comes down to is they're not really operating personal chef companies. They're operating lead companies for individuals, profiles that are personal chefs and let them kind of just do what they want. Interesting. 
Well, I was gonna say the the gig economy is definitely like a thing right now, especially for I'm sure. Do you know many of your chefs that are kind of in between jobs or not being asked back and whatever? Like you have a lot of like guys in this pool that you probably have worked with in the past and know their quality and know they're able to execute. You're not gonna send you know some Joe Schmo down the street to you know execute right. a party when it's your name on it, and that's the difference. It's that right. it's your name on it. Yeah, you know, it, it, it's my personal chef company logo brand on there. So that's what I'm trying to build. So I'm not going to connect uh, any of my clients to somebody that I don't think is going to be able to execute it. But I, I, the, the, I, I really feel blessed. I feel like all the cards kind of just lined up for me during this pandemic, although it didn't really turn out that well for many people. And that's unfortunate. It really is. Um, I, I was able to start this company in the in, in past. So I had a foundation, I had the ball rolling. And then the pandemic happened and I was able to develop a momentum because I had all this free time and, and I broke away from this, this like day-to-day um, -day process of being in the corporate business and working uh, five days a week. It opened up my doors completely. And then on top of that, everybody was canceling group businesses, in convention centers and they were going to more like family oriented get togethers, vacations, especially the ones that had money. Like I said, I target people that are doing well off. So they're not really worried about, you know, losing their job or anything like that. They're, they're, they're invested and they've got businesses operating and whatever, like clients that uh, own hospitals and nursing homes, like they were doing just fine. Right. Um, so it, it, the cards really lined up for me because I was able to still target the right amount of people um, the right people <clears throat> in the niche of a personal chef at a high end because before like personal chefs were not really considered it, it was it was very it was very bipolar like what I looked at it was either like you were a personal chef for a family and you were there five days a week or something but really you were just like a servant you know you weren't you weren't an entrepreneur you were an employee of theirs right. you know you were you were supporting their lifestyle full time. Yeah. That's the difference. You know, and then if you were an entrepreneur, you were catering to people that were trying to get a better deal than going to a nice restaurant. You know, they were like, oh, yeah, we'll hire you as a personal chef. And then you end up doing all the grocery shopping and cooking all this food and then and, and whatever they were doing, they were they were people that weren't thinking like business people. You know, they were I, I feel like it's difficult to get all of the pillars standing when you're a personal chef it's it's, it's not an easy thing to do because uh, you, you have to think about a customer service standpoint you have to think about a creative and successful chef standpoint you gotta think about a financial uh, standpoint how am I gonna charge you like billing like people will get billing wrong all the time you know they'll they'll like look at it and be like and they're not charging enough or they're not really sending the billing summary in the right way it's it's kind of confusing there's a lot of things i had to learn myself but really what i learned all of that was from working banquets when i learned banquets i saw event orders and i looked at event multiple event orders a day you know you you understand what i'm talking about so when you see that paper that document you really see how the monetization works you see the organization, you see that there's a, a headline information, it's clear, it's a contract, you see the menus, 
that is the bible essentially of of your your daily process and banquets so my company took the idea of this like a concept of a personal chef from the Augusta National Masters tournament you know doing all this stuff for these people that were going to watch golf and also took the creativity of a site visit and and you know making it about the chef and talking about food and doing these more crazy food and all that stuff and then the organization of banquets operating an event order so that's kind of like where i tied it all together and then i obviously had my own personal um searchings of influencers and 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 self-learning of getting out of the mindset of an employee to an entrepreneur I think all of those things really lined up to my success and what I'm doing now and, and, and how I'm going to move forward with this. I think it's a, a big, it was a big process. It took years for me to get to where I'm at now. And I know I have decades to go and to learn and to grow and all that. And I'm excited because I see the positivity that's getting out of this. You know what? The people that work for me, they're so happy doing these events they're fun you know like i meet the best people these are people that were self-taught self-grown themselves for the most part people that started their own businesses or or investors and and they have so much pieces of wisdom to offer you just being in their in their home or vacation oh my gosh absolutely the fact that you can like after a meal i mean i'm sure that you like sit and visit and like hang out with them for a little while like you know and just kick it and in that little bit of conversation i'm sure like the pearls of wisdom that you're getting out of that it makes your night it not only makes their night you know you being there and making this fantastic meal but the the what you get out of it like you know the conversation and and all of that like it makes it worth it for you i'm sure that they have so much respect for what you're doing and what you're trying to build uh, because they had to start somewhere too everyone had to start somewhere yeah, it's it's quite the journey, and I, I encourage anybody to really go on this journey of trying to be like their own, whatever it is. Follow it. You never know where it's going to take you. Because I, I mean, where I thought I was going to be starting this is not at all where I, I am now. I, I learned so much along the way, and and how many doors have opened up in my mind and how I think. It's crazy. Like now, I'm thinking about different ways of how I can produce revenue like i did a commercial recently yes i know i saw your commercial wait let's talk about that because that is like how did you even get into that i mean you're obviously gorgeous and you know you could be a model in a you know (laughs) so it doesn't matter like you know if the chef thing doesn't work out you're fine (laughs) but how did this modeling i gotta think yeah i gotta thank my parents for for giving me good genes um, yeah. nice but I, I, it was just the lead. Uh, honestly, I did not look for it at all. Like that's what I mean. Like doors open up for you when you're on your own, doing things and pursuing it, and just hammering it down to grinding every day, just trying to look for um, ways of you know how to generate more business. When you when you're when you're on the the edge of your seat trying to generate business this creativity that opens up your mind and, and, and how you can just like Google certain things and then sign up for certain accounts and then, you know, make profiles and then, and then generate leads. And it just opens up doors. It really does. Like snowball. You just don't think, yeah. You don't think about things. You don't, you don't think about things when you're in the, 
in the mindset of like, okay, well, I got work tomorrow at nine o'clock, so uh, it's seven o'clock at night. I'm just gonna watch a movie and then make some dinner and then I'm going to sleep. No, when you're an entrepreneur, you're always on. You're like on your. Luckily, we have we have smartphones now. We just go on our smartphone, boop boop boop, Google something, it leads to another. You go down this rabbit hole, boom, and then you find yourself just fascinated with one thing or another. So, but anyways, I, I was I was generating leads for my company and putting myself out there is the idea. Somebody reached out to me. They were um, a production company um, that does commercials for mostly electronics and other products and all that. They said, hey, you know, we're, we're, we're gonna be doing a commercial for this wood pellet um, grill that, that, that does smoke and broils and, and bakes and, and everything. Um, it's high technology, we're selling it on Amazon. Um, my clients want us to make a commercial. Uh, we do all the production. Um, and then we have this concept of uh, an actual chef that's gonna be able to do the commercial because we want the food to look good we want uh, them to know what they're doing and, and so and i was like okay anyway. and, and they also said we need somebody that that looks good on camera so like, okay i'll do it <laughs> done <laughs> <clears throat> so yeah they, they just um we negotiated they gave me a, a price that included a food budget and all this stuff and um i just you know treated it like a business i just um I got all the food and I prepped it. I showed up to the site. They rented out a, a house with a nice backyard with a pool, so the, it looked good on camera. Played around with the grill a little bit, prepped some food, did some like uh, you know I, I've done photo shoots for restaurants, so I kind of got the idea of making food look good on camera. Um, and I so we just did that. And but they they the concept was more um, of a backyard family barbecue thing. So even though I was a chef, they wanted me to look like, like the dad of the backyard cooking the food for the family. So that's why I put the flannel on, and they had uh, other actors: the kid, the the older guy, the, the women. They were all actors, actresses. And they they showed up a very short period of time, but main, mainly the people that were there the most was the production crew and me because I was I took on a much larger role with. Um, doing the food budget and, and, and prepping the food and all that stuff too. So um, it was good, it was, you know, it was good pay, it was good, a good experience, um, it was fun, it was a, it was a lot, a lot it of fun. It looked like know. a lot of fun, it looked like a lot of fun and it also was great exposure for you. I mean the fact is yes. like all those people now are going to be like looking at that Amazon ad and you know who is that guy and like I'm sure they're going to have to link somehow you know if you, if somebody like looked hard enough they could find it was you so I mean that's just going to like even build your base even more so it does. Well that was the, that was the other challenging thing because like part of the, the, the value I was trying to get out of it even though the pay was good and all that where I saw the most value was the exposure. I wanted that content. I wanted to be linked to that company. I wanted them to like put me on, you know, like they had a following, they had people that were gonna be interested in it. I wanted them to make it aware that this was the chef that was making this food look good on our product. Yep. So I was making sure I was making those messages clear to them via Instagram and emails and getting in direct con uh, um, connection with the clients and all that stuff, which was challenging. It wasn't wasn't as successful as I wanted it to be, 
Um, but I think that's something I'll, I'll learn from future uh, inquiries that I'll make all that stuff more clear before we move forward. They did tag me. They did, you know, put me on their Instagram and all that stuff. But <clears throat> I think that there could I could have got a little bit more value out of it. Well, um, you don't know. But that I means mean, I was sorry to cut you off, but you don't know what that can bring. The fact is that's going to live on the internet for however long that product is being sold, and people and more and more people will start to see it. So maybe right now you don't see the value in it, but I imagine in another year even like you know maybe we'll have a different conversation about this in a year like you just don't know what that especially the fact that it's living on the internet like these things may just pop back you know up and things just i mean really truly like what you were saying earlier that you were building this foundation two years ago or however long ago when you first started the company and when the pandemic happened and you finally were given that little push that nudge to do it full time and like really take it on you already had two years worth of content that you had been putting out there and building even if it was like not top of mind at the time now your clients are looking at it now and being like oh this guy's been doing this for a while or you know looking at your past like while it wasn't necessarily something you were doing actively or even realizing you were doing at the time i imagine now you're very thankful that you did that, you know? So even starting small and putting content out there years ago is beneficial now in the present. And I imagine it will continue to be in the future. You're 100% correct. I mean, whatever's on the internet is going to be on the internet for life. So whether that's going to be coming back as good karma or bad karma. So that's, yeah, that's the idea, right? Like, you know, it's hopefully it just comes back. Um, it'll be on there. It, it looked cool. I got to look super cool in the commercial. So, but then again, it's like you know, I am just a small piece of um, the market as far as a personal chef goes. So, then again, I didn't really have um, ways of negotiating. You know, it's like, well, what do I have to offer? <clears throat> really, you're just hiring somebody to just do a commercial. So I couldn't. I couldn't. Wasn't in the in the in the stance of trying to negotiate you know it's not like i have a great following or anything like that you know i'm doing okay for now i'm small i'm, I'm learning yeah but you're building it you're building it yeah and maybe yeah. not this time you know but maybe the next time because i'm sure <coughs> that these commercials are going to continue to come you know knocking on your door now that like you've opened that door that you know it's just one revenue stream that's all you can look at it as you know it's just one one thing that you're doing absolutely um so yeah it's it's just um taking it you know one day at a time now you know phenomenal well it's so great to catch up with you i mean there's like so much that you're doing for yourself for your family um for your brand that i wanted to hear about and i feel like we've touched on everything um how do people find you if they want to get in touch um so where i'm most active is instagram uh, at snow table um, S-M-O table. Yep. That's my most active, where I'm most active on social media. I also have a Facebook business page that's linked to Instagram. So everything I post on Instagram should be um, connected to my Facebook page. And that's the same thing, just smoke table. It's a business page. Um, obviously, I got my website, smoketable.com, which I should probably be better at. I need to update that with some more recent pictures, do a bio, all those things. And I'm 
trying to get to all that. Um, but it is a it is um, um, a, a website. It's got some good photos. It explains what I do and my services, and obviously um, gives you the opportunity to plug in your information for inquiries. So that's where I will generate leads uh, from my website, and then it will go straight to my my uh, business email account, nice. um, and I'm able to reply to the via emails. So I'll, I'll uh, be sure to link all of those, you know, uh, usernames and everything, the show notes when I put it up. Um, but seriously, it was so good catching up with you and I appreciate your time. I think that, you know, you just keep shooting for the stars. You are onto something. You're really good at it. You have all the experience and, you know, under your belt and um, the passion is there. So thank you. I, I really appreciate you having me on here. It was a pleasure catching up with you too, Alyssa. We had some great um experiences working together you're a very talented bartender well what was a bartender well thank you um but i'm sure you still can make some kick-ass cocktails <laughs> every once in a while we'll like you know we'll, we'll do something we'll make like jungle birds do you remember those do you remember when we had jungle birds on the menu in like the uh it was like in the fishbowl we've making those a lot oh yes 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 i remember those yeah and i had the little two like tail fins sticking out from the pineapple fronds you remember so yeah, we make that, that was a lot cool. yeah with like campari so we've been making those and every once in a while we'll make like a margarita or a mojito so you know i still got it <laughs> I, I need to pick your brain you got yourself uh, <laughs> some whiskey there what do you have to drink japanese whiskey Oh, all right then. That's the fancy <laughs> stuff. The small bat is pretty Quality good. Japanese whiskey. I'd um, say. It's smooth. It's, it's really smooth. Thank you. Thank you for having me on here. I hope you're you're doing very well with your podcast. I know that um, you're a great person to talk to. You got a great personality, and um, you know, bless you and your family and everything your future and all that i really Aww. appreciate it thanks sammy i appreciate it you be well stay safe and uh keep in touch yeah I yes hear about absolutely you. awesome man uh, we'll catch up soon it was great talking to you and i really appreciate you taking the time to chat with us today hey before you go just a few more things first off thanks so much for sticking around till the end if you liked what you heard and you want to hear more, be sure to subscribe to the Catch-Up Time podcast and check back often as we release new episodes. As always, we'll include any links and specifics we spoke about in the show notes below, just in case you missed anything. You can follow the Catch-Up Time podcast at catch-up underscore time on both Instagram and Twitter. That's K-E-T-C-H-U-P underscore T-H-Y-M-E, like the condiment and the herb. <laughs> I hope our chat today gave you something to think about and that it sticks with you, something you can mull over through the rest of your day. Allow yourself the time to reflect and the grace to discover something new about yourself and about our world. There's a spark inside all of us. Sometimes you just need a little help finding it. All right then, that's all for now. Thanks again for listening in. Be well and stay safe. I can't wait for us to catch up again soon. <laughs> Bye. The Catch-Up Time podcast is an original podcast recorded and produced in Orlando, Florida. Special thanks to Pink Martini, whose song, Hang On Little Tomato, both opens and closes our show. You can find out more about Pink Martini on their website at pinkmartini.com. 
Thanks again for listening to the Catch Up Time podcast. And so I hold on to this advice when change is hard and not so nice. If you listen to your heart the whole night through, your sunny side.